Hey folks, thanks for tuning in. Welcome to the PhysioChain's Mindset for Success interview series. I'm real excited to have a special guest with me today. He's actually, I met this gentleman in 1972, uh, so we go back a ways. And he is uh, actually, a lot of you know I was a musician in my former life for 30 plus years as a drummer. Uh, this gentleman influenced me greatly. And uh, we've been in touch ever since we met. And so in this Mindset for Success series, I thought it'd be a great idea to have my friend Peter Erskine join me to share on what he's been doing that has gotten to where he's at and maintained this incredibly uh, incredible career, incredible musician. He's a composer, band leader, a recording artist, educator, and one of the greatest drummers I've ever seen or heard. And so, Peter, it's really an honor to have you with me. Um, thanks so much for taking the time to join and share with my audience. Thank you, Carl. Thanks for that generous introduction. Uh, it's true, folks. We've known each other since 1972. Carl's parents brought him to a, a gig. It was at the, the club somewhere in upstate New York, as I recall. Yeah, the, the Castaways in Brewerton. That's right, the Castaways. Yeah. It's still there, too. Really? Yeah. Okay. Um, so the Stan Kenton Band, uh, uh, which I had joined just a few months prior to uh, that first meeting you and I had, uh, we, would, we would tour. That, that first year, we were out on the road about 50 weeks um, and playing most every night of the week, sometimes days and nights of the week if we were doing educational presentations at schools. Um, uh, you know, when you're young, that's great. All you want to do is, is, is play. So the arduous uh, work schedule and calendar uh, wasn't much of a bother. I enjoyed uh, just having that opportunity. Um, I'm also grateful now, and, and even then I was uh, appreciating the opportunity of being able to teach. Uh, you know, my father was uh, a psychiatrist, uh, a bass player turned psychiatrist. Uh, but more than that, I always thought of him as, as a great teacher. And he loved teaching, and, and I think I got that bug from him. Uh, so from the relatively uh, young age of 18, uh, because the Kenton Band would do these workshops at schools, maybe just for an afternoon or a couple of days, or uh, a summer camp residency uh, of five to six days. Um, finding ways of sharing, sharing knowledge, uh, trying to help people do what it is they wanted to do, um, and, and always learning from that, you know. Uh, for the last 10 years, I've, I've, I've been a full professor at the University of Southern California. I, I began teaching there in the year 2000. Great. So I maintain a full schedule there. As you mentioned, I'm still performing, uh, doing a lot of recording here in Los Angeles, not as much as uh, many of my colleagues, but keeping busy. On Monday, uh, just a few days ago, uh, re recorded the original closing credits music for Star Trek. For the next oh. series on CBS. Oh wow! And um, 
tomorrow I'm, I'm going in uh, to record some songs for a new movie called, uh, I think it's called Crazy Rich Asians or something. <laughs> um, and uh, uh, flying, flying off to Europe next week uh, to do a series of concerts and, and, and workshops in Germany. Uh, so, uh, you know, I know the, 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 the gist of, of what you want to talk about has to do with uh, what you term success. How do we, how do we attain a goal? And, 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 you know, how do you stay successful after all these years kind of thing? Um, I guess yeah. the first, the, 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 the first answer, uh, or part of the answer, Carl, would be, uh, well, you get used to wearing a lot of different hats. Mm-hmm. Um, by, by necessity as well as just by passion, because I am interested by a lot of different things. Um, you know, I'm, I make a living uh, as an author, as a teacher, as a live concert performer, as a recording uh, musician, otherwise known as a studio musician, um, working in the music industry, which means uh, uh, working with uh, the different companies, helping design products, and oftentimes your name will be attached to those products and you get a royalty. I, I think that the gentleman that really got me thinking in terms of, of of wearing more hats and just being the musician that runs all over the place uh, was a gentleman named Bob Beals and Bob uh, was the guy that owned and ran Evans Drumheads for many many years out of uh, his small factory and office in Dodge City Kansas oh yeah and I was uh uh, you know, Evans heads are now uh, manufactured and distributed by the Diodario company, and they've taken it to real state-of-the-art mm-hmm. factories on Long Island. Um, they're brilliant people. I don't use those heads anymore. I'm playing Remo drum heads, but I have tremendous respect for what the uh, Diodario company did. But when Bob was running it, it was it was almost a one-man operation. Mm-hmm. He pioneered. Uh, uh, a whole CAD CAM system, computer aid design and manufacturing for these drum heads. Uh, and, and he reminded me a lot of, of, of my own father. Okay. Uh, innovative, enterprising guys and, and, and another man that liked to share his knowledge. So he comes to see me. I'm playing somewhere. Uh, I think it was in Wichita, Kansas. He drives from Dodge City and he takes a gander kind of just, uh, you know, uh, at, at my schedule, he gets an appreciation for how much I'm running around, and he just kind of clicked his tongue and said, "He said, you know, Peter, he said, you, you got to figure out the, uh, a way to make money while you sleep." <laughs> and that got me to thinking. Yeah, he's right. So, um, thanks to. Uh, the way the music industry is set up and the generosity of some of the manufacturers, I do have a number of products on the market that uh, bear uh, my name, bear the influence of, of, of my thoughts on the design. Um, 
you know, some signature drumsticks. There's a new signature bass drum beater coming out. You know how uh, this is just for drummers only. Bass drum beaters have always been a metal rod, mm -hmm. kind of beater attached. Um, all right, so most bass drum beaters have a have a metal rod for the shaft and a and a, a hard felt or or plastic or, or wooden ball strikes the bass drum. Well thought occurred to me um well gosh that's not how we would hit a concert bass drum we like we like a wood wood handle mm -hmm. and why well because wood handles uh have their own characteristic in terms of weight and balance and feel and throw so I said, well, what would happen if we made a bass drum heater made of wood oh look at that yeah and that's, um that's nice and people didn't understand it at first they said well it doesn't sound that different i say it's not just sound it's feel yeah and as uh, and as people played it they go holy cow it has a whole different throw now in the cosmic scheme of things as, as the world goes you know is this going to make life better for the for the planet or the universe i don't know probably not but uh drummers seem to like it and this keeps me involved keeps me energized interested um and it's just another part of uh the legacy not only of of work but in terms of of making a living sure uh and you know and i i, I compose music and uh so yeah, i'm a composer uh, i'm an author I'm, I'm, i have a full-time teaching position at usc i will teach master classes uh, as a guest at other schools internationally and otherwise um, I perform as a guest drummer with with some different bands I'm trying to cut back on that and you know, I just want to stay home more uh, as you and I discussed uh, before we began videotaping you know my 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 big plan this summer is is to really uh, try to get back in shape lose some weight um, mm -hmm. and and really get my energy back uh, and focus on my health. I'm 63 years old now. Um, so, uh, you know, party times and in, in, in terms of uh, rewarding myself with that, that fantastic, fabulous dessert uh, night after night, I, you know, I got to cool that stuff. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I, I know the feeling. That's, that's my wife's plan. But sorry to go on and on about it. I, you, I, I think the the best advice I got about this, in addition to what Bob Beals suggested to me, was my wife reminding me that she said, you know, this isn't a, a, a sprint. This is a long-term race. It's a marathon. So I think part of the secret to success is not expecting results right away. You have to plant your field. You have to, you have to tend the crop you have to give it time to grow um, yeah and and if you have a partner or someone who can remind you of this mm -hmm. take away some of that impatience um for me that's been a key thing so uh i don't just pay lip service to yeah my wife and i are a great team i mean anytime i do a job and it's a success I come home and I say, hey, honey, we did it. It's not, I did it, because it's, mm -hmm. def it's definitely a we 
thing. Um, and and we're in uh, in each other's corner on each other's team. And and that is what makes it possible. It, I can't imagine having to to do this on my own. And when I was doing it on my own, on a much smaller scale, um, I wasn't nearly as as good at, at, at things as I am now. Yeah, it is. It's good to have somebody on your team. Um, so I'm going to go back for just a minute because I have a couple questions I'd like to ask. First of all, and this is kind of a loaded question. It's really simple in its words, but it's a loaded question. Um, how do you define success? It's not loaded. It's simple. Um, and I was just reading a, a statistic online, if it can be believed, uh, <laughs> that, that, that more people defined success as being happy in their jobs or happy at work versus yeah. making money. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you know, money's a necessary part of modern day life. You got to pay your bills. You need to be able to take care of, of, of your family and blah, blah, blah. Uh, but otherwise I don't, I mean, money for me, it doesn't matter. Uh, and, and I think it's good to not be greedy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, how much do you need? Yeah, feel- you took the words right out of my mouth. I, I thought about, <laughs> about this so many times. How much do you really need? You know, yeah. um, we, we feel so grateful. It's not, it's not Pollyanna or lip service grateful. We really feel grateful. And all we're trying to do now is just like get rid of stuff because um, it was just, wow, we just, we've accumulated a lot of things. Now, I, you know, sure, when Apple comes out with the latest whatever, I'm probably going to buy the damn thing. Mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm kind of a, a tech head and I really like Apple stuff. Yep. Um, boy, I, you know, I still haven't recovered over the fact that we had an investment counselor years ago that, that sold our Apple stock. And when I checked in later, I said, so how's the Apple stock doing? He said, oh, I sold it. I was like, huh? <laughs> so I didn't keep an eye on that stuff. Oh uh, uh, man, what a what a moron I I was. Uh, but yeah, so well, I I think the key to success is to love what you do, not be greedy, and um, let's let's look at it this way, Carl. You know, what's 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 the what's the motto of of a of a physician or a doctor? most important thing was do no harm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's, that's pretty much the way I, I try to operate. You know, I'm, I'm sure I've done things over the years that, that have inconvenienced people or, or made people not happy. I, I try to leave every job uh, where everybody's smiling. Mm-hmm. You know, the Star Trek gig the other day, I mean, everybody was smiling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very... It was very fun to, even in all the traffic of L.A., uh, although it was on Martin Luther King Day, so traffic wasn't too bad, but, you know, we still have traffic. It was a very satisfying drive home, you know. Because, that's cool. Yeah, people were happy. So well, you, that's, that's my definition of success. Well, I, I love that, actually. And, you know, for decades, I didn't get that 
you know, I was trying to force myself to be happy in something that it ultimately ended up that I, you know, I didn't really want to do that. Hmm. And uh, so finding what I love, which was a complete accident. I had no intention of finding what I do now. It's like, holy crap, this is like, this is so freaking cool. So now, uh, I know this is kind of cliche and it sounds ridiculous, but there is a lot of work to what I do and a lot of studying and this and that, but it's kind of like it's not work too, because it turns me on. I get excited and I get energy and I'm, as my sister says, brother, you're so high on life. But she says, you love what you do. I said, yeah, I do. I'm really lucky I found what I love to do and it was an accident, but I found it anyways. Well, it's, so, made, you, it's made you healthy and you're making other people healthy. I mean, that's... What could be better than that? It, I will tell you this: it's extremely gratifying. So, and, and you got and you got that big, beautiful smile too. So, <laughs> well, you know, I've been traveling. I'm more in the education side of this business now than I am the training side. I don't train that much these days. Uh, I have a couple trainers who train for me, so they're our clients. Uh, they're not really my clients anymore. But I'm out educating and also learning all the time. You know, every time I teach, I learn. I think I probably learn more than anyone in the room. They don't know that. But, you know, especially. That's a universal, uh, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it is really quite amazing. I've learned so much from so many great people. Um, you know, I tried teaching drum lessons for two years back in the late 80s. I hated it. I was also very bad at it. But if I had to do it now, I think I'd do a pretty good job. But I'm not going to do it. I'm just saying <laughs> the whole idea of teaching, or how I uh, teach now, I I've learned how to teach. Um, anyways, that was a yeah, side no, note. Not, it's, so, not, it's not always self-apparent or the easiest thing in the world. It, it, uh, uh, you, I have, I have a, a, a friend of mine, a colleague, his name is Bill Platt, and he retired a few years ago uh, from the Cincinnati Symphony where he served as principal percussionist for 40 years. One of the best hands guys in the business. Um, Bill's wife is from Japan and my wife is from Japan and Bill's wife's sister and my wife were very good friends. Uh, and she was talking to Bill one day and said, uh, you know, my, my friend, uh, my, my, my friend, what's he is married to a drummer. Oh, yeah, his name is Peter. Peter, what's his last name? She goes, I don't remember. And uh, and then he goes, uh, he's thinking Los Angeles, Peter. He goes, uh, uh, his name wouldn't by chance uh, be Erskine, would it? And she goes, oh, yeah, that's the guy, you know. He <laughs> <laughs> says, wow, holy cow, do you realize who that is? She goes, no, no it's just my friend's husband. So Bill and I uh, arranged to meet. and. Uh, it, it was it was wonderful, Carl. It was like we were two long lost brothers. Really, uh, he was a was cool. Eastman. He was a, he was a classmate of Steve Gadd's. Oh wow, at Eastman, a little older than Steve. Uh -huh. He and Steve both bought their Rogers Dynasonic snare drums on the same day. From the uh. same <laughs> anyway, Bill. Uh, uh, Always looks forward to, to coming to California once a year in January to get get away from some of the cold weather. And um, I always bring him in to teach for two weeks. 
And my students uh, love working with him, not only because he's so observant, has so much insight into the mechanics of drumming, uh, but he's, he's such a genuinely nice man and he almost has a grandfatherly type of, you know, like grand paternal mm -hmm. sense of instruction. I think that my students respond really well to, you know, I'm, I'm I can be fairly direct and cut to the chase with them. Um, uh, again, I, I always practice do no harm and I, I try to be supportive, but I'm, I'm not nearly as nice about it sometimes. Knows <laughs> how to be. Uh, so, uh, he's a, he's a, he's a great, and I'm trying to learn more of that. Uh, I, I tended to, to do a lot of my teaching as a kind of a troubleshooter slash problem solver. Mm -hmm. The, well, you're doing that. How can we make that better? Or you're doing that wrong. Not always just criticizing, but, um, maybe not spending nearly enough time uh, boosting a student's morale. Uh, so I, I think I'm getting better at that. Always stuff to learn. It's a process, right? Mm -hmm. Well, I have a question for you. So I, I, uh, I'll read off this thing so I don't forget. Oh, it's pretty simple. I'm just curious. I'm sure uh, it, at times you must have had some stumbling blocks. Um, are there, is there any particular uh, situation that ever happened that was a major stumbling block that you just thought, well, this is just the end, or not the end of life, but just the end of something, or I don't know how I'm going to get over this, I don't know how I'm going to get past this, that you had to like engage your mind a certain way and maybe your belief in yourself a certain way to talk yourself into getting through it, some people just naturally get through everything, but yeah, I I have two stories. Okay, these are true confessions. The first one uh, involves uh, an incident about thirty years ago. Uh, I just moved to Los Angeles after living in Manhattan for five years. Uh, I don't know if if Mutsi and I had gotten married yet. Um. It was earlier in our in our marriage, at, at, at any rate. When we first moved here, we were just living together, um, and you know, I was traveling a lot, so I was I was I was home and then away from home. And so we're we're still very much in the process of getting to know one another. Understand what? I was invited to be a judge uh, at, uh, at something called the uh, it was the Hennessy Jazz Search, and. Okay. The purpose of this contest was to was to select a band, a winning band. Uh, the first prize, uh, among other things, was that they would uh, play in a featured spot at the Playboy Jazz Fest. Mm -hmm. And he was one of the sponsors. So I'm sitting in judgment uh, of a lot of musicians who are now my you know colleagues in town, some really excellent players, and along with a couple other judges, we decide all right. This is the best man. Now, after all that, uh, they said, "Oh, would you would you be uh, willing to participate in the judges' jam?" Sure. So I go up on stage. Um, 
the the drum set i I remember uh the house drum set which i don't know if anyone else had played but uh so it came from a backline company and and Mm -hmm. and i think the cymbals were clunky and the snare drum was was tension up like a tabletop you know it's like oh goodness that's terrible but all right fine um, what are we going to play? I was like, well, let's do Straight No Chaser, you know, the Thelonious Monk tune. And um, the guy playing piano, who was sort of hosting the thing, he said, Peter, why don't you start it? Fine. So I'm thinking, I got the tempo in mind. That's um, all these various musicians. And just as we're about to go on, a, uh, a film composer in town. Uh, said, "Hey, I'd like to. I'd like to play too." And uh, this gentleman uh, uh, used to play jazz piano in a fairly well-known group, but you know, been a few years since he done it. <laughs> hey, fine, you, you play piano. Um, so now, no one told him that I was going to be starting to tune. So, ladies and gentlemen, the judges jam, and I'm about to start, and all of a sudden, I hear this gentleman go, "But do 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 dee da, but dee ba boo beep." So it's much slower, and uh, that was a very non-monkish sort of piano intro, and it just sounds really corny. And of course, I'm very self-conscious because I've been sitting in judgment of all these people, and I've just moved to town, and I'm feeling like an idiot. Um, uh, so, uh, and the snare drum's awful, and I hate these drums, and it's wrong. <laughs> You know, all this stuff. So <laughs> VH1, I don't know if you remember VH1. Yeah, I remember. They're videotaping. Now, <laughs> keep in mind that this thing was broadcast several times. But who knows how many times. Uh, I see the cameraman coming up behind me on the left. It's a drum solo. <laughs> I drop my sticks. From the solo. I'm so just disconnected from this whole thing. So... I don't know if you ever had this experience, Carl, when you play so bad that no one will even look you in the eye. <laughs> it's kind of like like you're the high school quarterback uh, or you know football player, and you you blew you blew the big play. Yeah, nobody knows <laughs> what to say. Gosh, so um, this is like really bad. Now I've just moved to town and. Uh, it was a colossal, uh, just the worst I've, I've probably ever played, including as a kid. Uh, so I was, I was, I was uh, a, a little bit of state of shock. I wasn't sure what had happened. Um, my wife uh, finally comes uh, backstage and, and she says, you looked very uncomfortable. I'm like, yeah. No kidding. How could you tell? <laughs> then, Carl, she said the most brilliant thing. She said, well, you were only breathing from here. Oh. Ah. ah. Well, the light bulb. Light bulb. Light bulb. And I'm <laughs> only breathing from here. Oh, my goodness. Because my ego got so involved in, in my, this kind of self-consciousness is, uh, of course I dropped the sticks. I cut off blood flow. I cut off music flow. There was no spirit flow. There was no anything flow except my ego 
constipation of you know uh of, of all that thing so uh, yes of course i wasn't breathing i didn't surrender to the okay so all right so the tempo is not what you want it to be just play that tempo whatever it is now and make it swing you jerk that's your job <laughs> which i didn't do so i began awareness becoming aware of breathing and the huge turning point for me was that anytime I run into a jam musically, I, I stop, I become conscious of my breathing. I start breathing deeply, not just from here, but mm -hmm. trying to fill this, mm -hmm. exhale. And then you know what I do? I laugh. Mm. I laugh and I'm like, well, that's about it. Whatever's just happened is about as bad as it's going to get. So there's only one place to go from here. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh man! So and and then this uh, in in practice, I'm doing a film session now. It's quite a few years later with John Williams. This is my second occasion to work with John. Ah, uh, yeah. And John Williams is like, you know. He's the best. And here's Steven Spielberg with his brand new iPad. They had just come out and he's kind of filming the session. <coughs> and they start and my headphones stop working. So I have no click. I have no metronome and he's conducting and I hear the band and I don't know. It's the first time we're playing this piece of music. It's got lots of offbeats and I can't hear and I, I'm playing, um, and I can tell it's like, this is not going well. Uh, so John stops. Uh, let's, let's try it without the drums for a while. I'm like, oh, brother. <laughs> it's just, he just called me out in front of every musician on the MGM soundstage, now called Sony. Uh, let's do it without the drums so you know it could have been panic time i i took a deep breath and i kind of chuckled i said all right that was <laughs> bad now let's concentrate and take care of shit so when i say i laugh it doesn't mean i'm blowing it off it means i'm i'm now freeing myself to totally focus on what to do to fix things because now I don't have to worry about how I sound and what I look like because I've already like you know messed it up beyond uh, anyone's imagination <laughs> and now Carl to complete my very long answer this goes back to the very first lesson I had with the gentleman who would become my professor in college George Gaber oh yeah yeah sure when I was 12 years old and Gaber recognized my performance anxiety. Uh, I had done poorly in the auditions for the summer camp, you know, ensemble placement things. And, uh, and he just got a, he got an inkling that this, this kid has some, some issues with all this. So the first lesson, he puts a piece of music on the music stand. I'm standing at the snare drum and he sits down at the desk. And he looks at me and says, okay, 
is now I want you to play that snare drum etude. And if you play any of it correctly, I'm going to get up, walk over there, and hit you with this mallet. <laughs> I said, excuse me? He said, you heard me. I want you to play that piece, but if you play any of it right, I'm going to walk over there, I'm going to hit you, it's probably going to hurt. So go ahead and start. So I, now my, my parents, were, you know, I was only 12 years old, so they're in the lesson. I remember my mom kind of looked like, wow, who is this madman? <laughs> so I played the thing upside down, backwards. Every, every note was wrong. I finish. He takes a satisfied puff on his cigar. He said, good. So now I want you to walk over to that window, look out and tell me what you see. So I go to the window. Immediately, my mom told me later, she said, okay, I see, I see where this man's going. This guy's brilliant. So I look out the window and he says, uh, clouds still up in the sky? I said, yeah. He said, sky's still blue, right? I said, yeah. These <laughs> are still standing and uh, looks like the earth is still spinning around, right? I said, yeah, I guess so. He said, okay, fine, come back. I come back and I look at him. He says, you just played that snare drum piece worse than anyone could possibly ever play it. And he said, and what happened? Nothing. <laughs> now, let's start. Uh. So he gave me permission to fail. It's just something that I needed reminders about. And my wife's reminder about breathing kind of connected the dots for me so through that fail that big fail the funny shit was uh, a couple years later i'm doing an album with gary burton and pat Metheny mm -hmm. in new york second day of the session i go to the studio early uh to check on the tuning of the drums and i just i tend to like to go to the studios early and it's the engineer and the assistant they're working at the board and i poke my head in the control room and say, hey, fellas. They went, oh, hey. Said, oh, hey, we saw you on TV last night. <laughs> I'm trying to think, what? And then I look up with a horrified look, like, no. And, I, and they went, yeah, man. Great gig. <laughs> so, oh, man. This darn thing didn't go away for a while. That's uh, a great, those are great stories, though. Holy cow. Yeah, so, uh, you know, that's how... That's how we learn mistakes are blessings. Well, I appreciate you sharing those. I, I love those stories. I love that actually makes me think. I, I, I feel like I'm talking so long and so much. So that's what it's all about. Is sharing, you know? short, just short answers, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna let your viewers get on with the rest of their lives. No, it's cool, man. It's really cool. Um, I think that well, it's interesting. It's perspective too, right? So. Gaber gives you a perspective. You look out the window, the earth didn't change, stuff was the same, yeah. even though you played that thing horrible. And if I played and it so, great, you know what? If I played it great, same thing. Earth is still spinning around, yeah. doesn't really care. You know, we have um, uh, some people in my circle of, uh, let's say, friends in the educator side of the fitness business. And one of the things we talk about a lot is, you know, when you're doing movements, look stupid it's okay to look stupid when you're trying a new move that you suck at right 
But I remember when I used to practice drums, and I actually I have to be honest with you, my truth telling time, I hated practicing more than anything. And most of my practicing was up here. I rarely sat down because I freaking hated it. But I don't even like the sound of the drums when I play them, <laughs> unless there's music going on with me. But um, it was, it's okay to screw up. Oh, yeah. You know, it's the first thing I tell my students at the beginning of the year at USC. Mm -hmm. I said, you're in a safe space. And I said, I like mistakes. I encourage them. Don't feel that you can't make them here. Mm -hmm. uh, I also like concentration. I don't, I don't want you to waste your time, my time, by not concentrating. But mistakes are fine. You know, and, and the only thing about looking stupid, um, and again, that you know, if if I notice something mechanically that seems really inefficient or could lead a student to harming himself or herself, that's when I really have to step in. Yeah, sure. So, so the only bad technique uh, is essentially a technique that that might enable a, a, a musician to hurt themselves. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, what you're trying to do is to increase efficiency. Mm -hmm. Because with the more efficient movement, then when the musician gets an inspiration, he or she can then realize it, whatever, whatever instrument they're playing. Yeah. If, if you're moving too much, then it's too late. But, you know, it's just like in sports. You, you look at an athlete who's, work you admire or who, or who just has great athletic accomplishment um they they tend to look for the most part i would say 90 some percent look beautiful and they look as as beautiful and as natural as an animal in the wild mm -hmm. you know because they just they know how to how to swing a golf club or a baseball bat or throw a football or mm -hmm. I mean, that's why I like sports. I just sort of love seeing movement. Oh, me too. It's uh, it's fascinating. Totally fascinating. Well, you, it's interesting. What's your, favorite, I, what's your favorite sport to watch? Tennis. Ah. Yeah. Hands down, tennis all the way. Um, um, me, it's baseball. Yeah, I like baseball. Uh, I like basketball because it's moving. It's moving quick all the time. I actually have a gentleman I teach with for a company. Out in the, I do mostly my own workshops, but there's a company in New York I teach for also that I love. Uh, and my co-teacher is for a former Harlem Globetrotter. Oh, my God. They were so great. And they were amazing. Wow. It's really difficult. It's hard to get him to do the tricks. But once in a while, he'll just start doing the thing, spin the ball and do the – and it's awesome. We love it, you know. Oh, the Globetrotters were, yeah. That, that was, they were beyond basketball. They were something else. But, hey, here's, you know, here's the sport, because I, I, you know, with, with traveling around, and I never got it, but but one day I really sat down and and tried to get it by watching it. And I think I, I, I may have asked someone over, over in England to explain it to me, or Scotland, actually. Rugby. Now, ah, rugby is, you know, what's great about rugby. The thing I love about rugby is that a team is, is <coughs> the ball downfield, right? Yeah. The only way that they can throw it is in the opposite direction. You uh -huh. can't, you can't throw it forward. And so 
the yin and yang of, of this is just, it's absolutely brilliant. It, it, it just boggles my mind when I, when I see a rugby team. The scrum I still don't get quite, but the, the toughness and the, the almost like kind of gentlemanly, uh, very masculine kind of virtues that, that rugby players seem to have, you know, cause soccer every, you know, every few seconds or minutes, you know, someone falls down grabbing some part of their body as if they've just been. Uh, yep. You know, you know I, I didn't, I've never yeah. seen much rugby until I went to Ireland two months ago. I was teaching uh, for like six days in Ireland. So of course I went to the Guinness plant over there. Have you been there? No. no oh, no. Peter. You've got to go to the Guinness plant when you're in Ireland because Guinness tastes way better over there than over here. <laughs> but uh, it really does. It's amazing. But anyways, uh, rugby's on TV all the time over there. And that's that's a big deal in Ireland. England, too. I've been there a few times. But um, so, so, you're gonna, so rug, after, after tennis and basketball, you'd say rugby? Well, I watched a lot of rugby, and I thought it was really interesting. I, I, I haven't really – gotten it yet though um so i really i need to check it out more i'll be in england in a couple months i'm sure there'll be some rugby happening rugby would be cool cricket i don't get <laughs> I, i've tried to get it i just i completely don't get it same here but but baseball that's my favorite i remember being in la seeing the dodgers a long time ago um oh yeah Nothing yeah done. so um yeah it's interesting uh you're, you're, I've always looked at you as the consummate professional because, you know, everything you've said here today, what you've shared is just kind of um, goes along, obviously, with your, your career. I mean, you, you don't do the things you've been doing without a, a mindset to support that, and behaviors, obviously, to support that, you know. And, and um, I think it's amazing what you've done, Peter. I, well, well, I think about I, it I, Stop it, stop it with the compliments. Okay, here's the secret to it. Um, you know, I've, been, I've been very fortunate. I've gotten a lot of excellent opportunities. Two things always prepared me for that. One, um, just kind of gave it away there. Generally, I was, I I was prepared for mm -hmm. that opportunity. So when I had a chance to play, you know, I could deliver on, on the expectation of the promise. Uh -huh. And, and so in life, you know, you need to be prepared. And the other thing, it's funny, I was talking to, to a student about this. Um, I always paid respect, you know, understanding the history of the music and always paid respect to my elders. Even if I wasn't particularly a fan, <coughs> they had been doing it longer than I had and they deserved that respect and acknowledgement mm -hmm. um, so you know people uh you know, they'll have a good feeling about you they'll like you say, yeah you know he, he's a good kid so, or, or he's a nice man mm -hmm. um, so you know just just treating people decently so i think being prepared and, and being a decent human being helps the you know the the idea of being cutthroat, um, of uh, annihilating your your opposition, that doesn't work. 
I met a gentleman once, Carl, at, at, a, at a conference. Uh, he was the wife. Uh, no, I'm sorry. He was the wife. He was the husband uh, of a woman. His wife uh, was involved in, in music uh, education and, and retail. But he made an observation to me. He said, he said you know, the, the, he said, this drum business is interesting. He said, it's the only business I've seen where competitors will openly share their trade secrets. Mm. Mm. Yeah. My wife has said the same thing. She said, I've, I've never seen a group of professionals quite like drummers because, you know, we're, we're competing sometimes for the same jobs, and yet we'll be the first to congratulate one another and shows, show our competitor, yeah, this is how I do that. Mm. Because we recognize that drumming is, is such an individual art. It's a the, the rhythms that we have, it's reflected in the different ways we walk and how we think of the spaces between beats. So we can be technically at, at, at a near identical level, yet the output will be so different based on each drummer's personality and combination. Yeah. So as a, as a result, we generally don't feel too threatened. And, and, and one other aspect, I think that, you know, if I didn't get a job, generally I didn't worry too much about it. Uh, and I didn't resent someone else for getting that job. I was like, okay, fine. If somebody likes my drumming, cool. If they don't, of course they don't, you know, for whatever reason. If I can, if I can make my drumming better, there's a skill, part of the skill set that needs work, I'll address that. But otherwise you know that's that's just the way that goes you know maybe one year someone likes my drumming and then their taste evolves to something else i have no problem with that i'm keeping busy so no that's great uh actually i have a number of thoughts but i'll slowly i'll start to work towards winding up here um or wrapping up first of all um like i was saying you're a consummate professional i even remember and i'm not going to say who because i wouldn't be right a concert i went to you and I met up and had breakfast the next day, and um, you were asking me, did I look angry last night on stage? <laughs> hmm. I said no, and, but you were. Was and that you, with Maynard's band? Huh? Was that with Maynard's band? No, this is only like 10, 12 years ago. Ah. A different situation. But anyways, the, the the idea there is that you were very unhappy with the... the Diana? Situation. With Diana? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I didn't know if I should say that, but yes. Yeah, yes. <laughs> hey, uh, I have I have nothing but, but the, you know, the, the best things to say about Diana Krall. She's an uh, uh, incredible artist uh, and, and, and a really <laughs> genuinely nice human being. I really like her. Um, I, you know, I don't think I was the best fit in that band and, and I may have been struggling just trying to figure out cause, uh, you know, I, <laughs> Diana's gig was similar to a couple other gigs that I got involved with. Um, at one point, you know, the Yellow Jackets asked me to join and that was a huge mistake. That was, that was Will Kennedy's gig, but Will had, had, had kind of, made an ultimatum to the band and kind of walked away from it. So they said, well, do you want to play? And I, 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 I sort of walked into a hornet's nest and I should have been smarter, like, no thanks guys. But um, in both of those 
instances. Um, and I'm sorry to interrupt you. What you're no, no, it's fine. But, but you know, I I saw those. Uh, I thought this will solve all my problems. Great, I get with this great touring organization that has great management, and then I don't have to worry about booking this or taking care of that. It's just you know, and it's the old grass is greener on the other side. There are very few gigs that are going to solve your problems. Uh -huh. And and I eventually learned that. So there's no solution outside of yourself to things. I love actually what you just said is really profound. I love that. Yeah. That is pretty good. You can by the way That's a good one. <laughs> uh, <laughs> my most recent book um uh, is called The Drummer's Lifeline. Ah. And uh it's published by Alfred Publishing. Co wrote it with Dave Black. And it has a lot of these bits of advice, but yeah, that's a good one. There's, there's, there's really no solution outside of yourself. Yeah, that's, that's a great one, Peter. I love that. I wish I put that in the book. Oh, well. And, you know, along with that, it goes back to what I was saying, is you being the constant professional. I mean, it's your job. You're supposed to perform. And you did, and it was great. Um, and then uh, another thing, just a random thought here. I think, I'm not sure, but I think it was something I read that Joe Zolinal said about drumming and walking. Yeah. And there's a relationship between your, your, your gait pattern and your drumming. You're walking, how you walk and how you drum or how you think about space. And uh, of course, you knew him very well. I, I didn't, but um, just the idea that he brought that up was really interesting to me. He he made a I think a correct observation. He, you know, you take these funny little steps when you walk. Learn to take bigger <laughs> steps. You'll be a better drummer or greater drummer, however you put it. Uh, and he's right. Yeah, I do. I I to this day have a walk that when I see it play, yeah, you know, when I walk across stage and I see it play, you know, on a video, I'm like, wow, yeah, that's a pretty pretty not great looking walk, you know. <laughs> um, and Alex, Alex Acuna, he said that, that was his audition. You know, Joe said, let me see you walk. And Alex walked. <laughs> okay, you're in the band. I oh, mean, wow. basically, basically, my audition was a phone call from the Weather Report office. Mm -hmm. And they just said, uh, uh, Joe wants to know if, if, if you can play the beat to it's a song called Nubian Sundance. Sure, yeah. I remember that. I know, Maynard's band. I was 23 years old. And my immediate answer was... I was like, yeah, sure. You tell Joe I can play the shit out of that. Because that's, I could. And they said, okay, thank you very much. And then Joe liked that answer. He said, yeah, he said that, okay. Let's let's invite him to play the band. <laughs> well, that's a great story, man. There, there's, I think there's a, a recording on YouTube I saw of you performing that song with WDR, maybe? No, it's the uh, it's or the Metropole Orchestra. Yeah, yeah. And Alex is playing percussion. Yeah, I love that. Victor Bailey playing. It's it's yeah, it's pretty remarkable. That is incredible. I I first of all, I love that tune, but next of all, like that particular arrangement, man. Holy crap! Yeah, you put oh. that link up on this interview. That uh, Vince Mendoza did the arrangement. Yeah, the trumpet player was a gentleman named Derek Watkins who passed away a few years ago. Derek was the trumpet player on every James Bond film. Really? 
yeah, he, he did his first one when he was like 16 or 17. That do do da do da. I'm a Bond fanatic. I oh. own every movie. Well, that the the lead trumpet was Derek Watkins, and wow. and I got to know Derek uh, when I did the Kenny Wheeler Music for Large and Small Ensembles ECM <laughs> in 1989 or 1990, okay. uh, and I, I, you know, he's legendary. Um, so uh, Derek was brought to uh, the Netherlands to do this concert with the Metropole. Um, and yeah, Fast City, Nubian Sundance, a number of tunes. It's, it's, a, uh, it's available on YouTube. And if any of your viewers are curious about you know, some of the work I've done, or if you're a Weather Report fan, um, uh, short of, of Weather Report, <laughs> it's even better than and a lot of weather report performances. It really was a magical. Yeah, I, I saw a Fast City arrangement, I think, with the same, the same group. Yeah. It's great. So it's Vince Mendoza. He was a – Vince Mendoza did that. Vince Mendoza, originally from back east. Uh, I met him when he was a student at Ohio State. Um, oh, you guys, I think I'm he's a good Next week in, uh, in Cologne. He's, he's nominated wow. for, I think, two Grammys. This go around so um, good, and the Grammys I think will occur while we're in Germany. So if he uh, if he wins, we'll we'll celebrate over there. Uh yeah. Well, I think he's a genius. That guy is really something. And yeah, the Grammys are earlier early this year. I'll be uh, oh, I'll be home that weekend. I might watch. I don't know. I don't, I don't always watch because. Well, you know what I what I do is I mean the, all the the categories I'm interested in are are broadcast earlier because those take place earlier. So I usually just watch on the internet. Ah, yeah. good idea. Yeah. And watch that because it's there's no commercials. You just kind of you get to see that uh, that ceremony where all the categories that are more relevant to the kind of work I do. The the thing at night is, is is you know it's a TV show, so mm -hmm. if you like TV, you can watch that. Okay. Well, I'm gonna have to wrap it up because I have yep. a, another appointment. Um, no problem, me too. Apologies for my Wi-Fi issues that delayed our start. Uh, final uh, thing you wanted me to uh, say. One you the last word. You you kind of already did this, but I'll just say if you had to give one piece of advice to anyone watching or listening, what would that be? Oh, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna quote. Uh, one of my heroes and and good friend Steve Gadd, ah. and he was asked uh, years ago uh, in closing, "Do you have any advice for for drummers out there?" And he's he replied, "Yeah, never pet a burning dog." <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> I love that. That's my advice. <laughs> All right, man. Well, <laughs> Peter, man, it's been great to connect here. Um, thank you again for your your time. Really appreciate your friendship, your time, and uh, thanks to everyone who is tuning in and watching. I hope you enjoy this as much as I have enjoyed talking with Peter. Thank you again. Um, hang on for one minute. I'm going to hit hit the end, but thanks for watching, everyone. Thank you again, Peter. Have a fantastic day. Thank you.